Thank you, Aaron. What a great song. Uh, God's not worried, so why do I worry? I love that. Especially during this COVID time when we've all been COVIDated, uh, we get hassled and troubled and worried and, and figure everything's out of control, but God's got it all under control. He's not worried at all. Well, welcome to Thanksgiving week. Um, our title today is Thanksgiving Rocks. You know, when, I, uh, when we were raising our, our children, we always wanted to remind them about the importance of Thanksgiving. So we had quotations that, they would, uh, that we would go over every Thanksgiving. In fact, each one, I cut them into little strips, and so everybody would get a little, a little Thanksgiving quotation. Uh, our all-time favorite is, Thanksgiving is good, but thanks living is better. Um, and that, isn't that really true? Do we live as thankful people? Is our, our attitude one of thanks or one of complaint and worry and negativity? You know, God's got it all figured out. Another one uh, of those quotations, Christian gratitude keeps life from sagging because there is something underneath life, which is God himself. Or unfailing gratitude makes a human magnet out of a common personality. That is, people like to be around someone who is thankful, who shows gratitude, who uh, is not down in the dumps all the time. A grateful mind is a great mind. Or if you have nothing to be thankful for, make up your mind that there is something wrong with you. Or this one, God gave you 86,400 seconds today. Have you used one to say thank you? And then Zig Ziglar, I love this one, you'll never see a happy, ungrateful person. Those two characteristics kind of go together, don't they? One who is thankful is one who is happy. He's appreciative. He's got the smile on his face and, and he carries himself as if uh, he's optimistic, as if he's positive and with it, not as if the, the weight of the world is on his shoulders. Well, if you look in the word and you go, to thanks or to praise, you'll find that over and over again, God reminds us to be thankful people. It's in the word in so many different kinds of contexts, different stories, instructions about characteristics that we should take on for ourselves. Um, and then, of course, in the Psalms, it says in 1 Chronicles 16:34, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Or let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. You see that? We have both love and peace are connected to being thankful. It's, it's kind of like a, a, an attachment but it's still a very important part of those verses. Um, here's another one. Uh, and now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. 
1 Chronicles 29, 13. Or the granddaddy of them all, of course, from Psalm 95, 1 through 3. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is great. He is our great God and great King above all gods. Well, this morning what we want to do is take a passage in Joshua and look at how this passage shows us to be thankful. There's actually things we can do to be thankful people. So if you're taking notes, if you don't have a notebook, get one. If you don't have a piece of paper, get it, get a pen and take some notes to remind you yourself of these things as we uh, go through, because you might need them later. Um, Such a, a fun, positive story, and yet there are elements of intrigue and drama here that are, are uh, kind of unusual and, and, and make you curious as to what, how God is going to work this all out. Um, the children of Israel have come to the point where they are ready to cross the Jordan River. Now, when they came out of Egypt, of course, they had the, to cross the Red Sea. But the difference is that the Red Sea still took them into the wilderness, whereas the Jordan River would take them into the promised land. See, that would be the next step. And so this, the word that describes this throughout um, the the sections in Joshua we're going to talk about today, the word that describes it is crossover. It's a crossover experience. Actually, the Hebrew word is abar, which means, which means to cross over as an epic event, a, a, a unusual thing. And that's what they were going to have, an unusual experience, an epic event that would change all of their lives. Now, see, God knew that when they got to the promised land, now stay with me, this is so important. God knew that when they would get to the promised land, it wasn't going to be all rosy. (laughs) There were going to be some difficulties. And so what he wanted to do in the process is get their faith to a point where they would trust in the Lord and be able to handle um, or, or submit all the things that they were going through in the promised land to him. And so now he had to do a, a preparation for that. And so he has them going through the Jordan River, okay? We're talking about, uh, by the way, when they, when they left Egypt, about 2.4 million people on their way to the promised land. Okay, in verse two, it says of Chapter three of Joshua, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and, and what? Follow it. And then it says, then you will know which way to go since 
You have never been this way before. I love that idea. God will show us the way. We just need to follow. Now, the Ark of the Covenant represented God himself. And there was uh, Aaron's staff and um, some manna in a container and the Ten Commandments. And they carried that on their shoulders so everyone could see that God was with them. They weren't doing this on their own. It wasn't some plan that Joshua figured out or that Moses had told them about. When, when the day comes, when you get to Jordan, here's what you gotta do. No, this was God's plan and God would lead them. But they needed, this is big, they needed to follow See, when the Lord tells you to go, you go. You go the way he wants you to go and you go with the attitude with which he wants you to go. So let's put that first one up there, John. Um, when God commands us to walk into troubled waters, we can be assured that he has already gone before us. Don't you love that? He says, they will, they will lead the way and you go. In other words, God will go before you, then you go. You don't hurry and go without him, but you, you follow him and you go with him. You know, the Lord's been every place you've been. You know, he's gone there long before you. You're going through a struggle, he's been through that first. He checked it out. He made sure that you could handle, that you would have all the characteristics that could handle that. Or most of all, that you would depend on him in that particular challenge that you're going through. Yeah, you know, God knows all about COVID. Yeah, he knows all the restrictions and all things we've gone through and all the inconveniences and, and all the, the, the sickness. God knows it all. Look at verses 9 through 11 of chapter 3. It says this, I just love this. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and he will certainly drive out before you that is in the promised land. Here's what he'll do. He'll drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, Perizzites, not parasites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites and Jebusites, see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the earth will go into the Jordan, and here it is. Mark that next phrase, those three words, ahead of you. See, that's the key. That we need to know that when God asks us to do something, that he's been there before. Okay, now here's the second point. Such an important point for Thanksgiving. By the way, the first two are going to set up the dilemma, the difficulty, and the next three will be about how we react with thankful hearts. But the second one starts at, at verse 12 of chapter three. It says this. Um, now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant and uh, the Lord of, of all earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Isn't God going to get rid of the water so they can go through on dry land? No, it says as soon as those priests touch, touch their, their toes, 
to the water. See, that is they're going to start through while the water is rampaging through. And they're, they're going to touch the water and then God will push away the water, see? Then he'll make it pile up in a heap so they can make the walk. But first, first they have to exert what? What is it? Faith and trust. He says, first step in there, then I will do it. Isn't that what God does to us so many times? He says, first I want you to go ahead and do this. And you don't know all the answers. You don't know how it's going to work out. But I've asked you to do this. I've asked you to teach that Sunday school class or to witness to your neighbor or make it a, a, an investment that will help some missionary someplace. I want you to step into it. Then you will see how I'll take care of all the obstacles. I'll be right there. Now, now here's what I want you to understand. Life is full of obstacles. And what God wants us to do is not wait until all those obstacles are knocked down. Actually, what he is asking us to do is we pray as we walk, as we continue our lives, we pray as we hit those obstacles. And then we see God take care of them. Several months ago, my granddaughter and I were playing catch on the front lawn and she threw the ball so it went over my head and hit the water pipe in the front and water just woo, like that and I remember her saying oh oh my it just started to flow well we I figured okay I'll just turn off the water it wouldn't turn off I couldn't get down in there get that thing turned off and then I called my neighbor. He said, oh, just go to the, to, the, uh, to the meter in the front of your house and you'll just be able to turn it off real quick. Eh. I used every wrench I could think of. It wouldn't turn off. Then my wife went to True Value Hardware and got one of these things. You see this? So you put it on the, on the little bolt that's in there and you, eh, you just crank it. I thought, oh, piece of cake. I could do that it wouldn't work. I called East Bay Mud. Actually, I'd already called East Bay Mud. And the lady said, oh, we'll get somebody there right away. But there's a, a fire hydrant that is broken. And we only have one man on duty and he's working on that fire hydrant. He'll be there as soon as, you, as he can. I thought, who do I know that works for East Bay Mud? Ah, Brian has a row. And so... So what happened is I called Danny Strange for the phone number. He called, uh, I called Brian and he's at Chick-fil-A. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to do this on my own. Uh, I didn't know that Brian and his wife, Sarah, one of their boys, they were on their way to our house to help us out. At the same time, I'm calling back to um, to East Bay Mud, and the water is flowing. It's got, it's all in the waterbeds, it's in the grass, it's going down the street. And she says, call the fire department. And so I called the fire department thinking, oh yeah, the, the, those guys, they can handle this. They come and the honest truth is they couldn't turn off the water at my house. Just as they're pulling up, 
Brian Hazaro and his wife, Sarah, and their son, they pull up, okay? Then the East Bay, uh, East Bay mud guy pulls up. So I had three in front of my house, all at the same time, and they got the water turned off. Praise the Lord. 20,000 gallons later, they got the water turned off. And I thought to myself, well, why does God do that? You know why God does that? Is because he is always faithful and he wants, now catch this, he wants you to know that in the next flood of life, the next Jordan River or the next broken pipe, he's gonna be there, see? He allowed all those people to come together at the right time and get my water turned off. It was great. And then I'm leaning against the fire truck, talking to the firemen. And I said, do you know Larry Vold? Because he's a chaplain of the fire department. Oh, yeah. Boy, do I know. What a great guy. In fact, I'm in a Bible study with him now on Monday mornings. See, we have to remember that even though we've been obedient and trusting, God may take us right into the middle of a difficulty before he provides an answer. God may take you right into the middle of the difficulty, but what you have to show is trust and faith and obedience and a willingness to go God's way. Okay, here's the next one. Look at chapter four now. I want you to see the way they responded to this whole thing. Chapter four at the beginning says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones, 12 big rocks, okay, from the middle of the Jordan, from right there, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Put them down. Now, jump over to verse 19, I want you to see what he says here. Because this is going to be another pile of stones or rocks. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at, Gil at Gilgal the 12 stones, the 12 rocks. And he says, um, he said, to the Israelites in the future when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. That is, God wants us to set up a memorial, a remembrance of the way he has bailed us out of our difficulties. Instead of just going through life, going on from one thing to the next, Forgetting about what God has done, he wants us to be reminded of the fact that he has blessed us. And so each one of those priests, oh, I can barely lift this rock. Each one of those priests or, or members of the tribes picked up a rock, see? And it says they put it on their shoulder and they walked across the Jordan and they set it down and just 
Imagine that we've got 12 of them here. They set that down as a memorial to the fact that God blesses. Now, when I come into this auditorium, this auditorium is kind of a memorial to me of God's blessing, see? Because my wife and I were married. The first wedding right here in this auditorium was my wife and I 50 years ago. And I look up there at what used to be the organ loft, and I remember our soloist sang from up there. I think of all those things. I think of how God blessed, see, has blessed us with our marriage and our kids and our 15 grandchildren. God watches over us, see, and he wants us to remember him and all that he's done. My third point John, let's put that up there now. When God has worked in our lives, our priority should be intentional thanksgiving. That is, don't be passive. Don't be complacent and forget it. But intentionally have a time when you thank the Lord. Then um, something else I, I want us to remember today. My fourth point is this. Just as God distributes his blessings to all, we need to all participate in thanking the Lord. You know, it says in, in 4.8, it says, um, so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the, uh, to the number of the tribes of Israel as the Lord had told Joshua and they, here it is, and they carried them over with them and to the end of the camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at, at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there to this day and they participated. They took the rocks over there. They set them up. The children participated by seeing and asking about them. Thankfulness, for those of you who are in the auditorium, thankfulness is for all of us to participate in. It's not just for a few. It's not just for those older folks who look back on what God has done, but it's for all of us. And then finally this, my last point. John, let's put that last one up there, okay? Thankfulness is not just a remembrance of God's past blessings, but an inspiration for future generations to depend on him. See, it is our responsibility as this generation, this older generation, to tell the next generation about what God has done. Now, I don't want you to miss that. Listen, it is our responsibility to pass on to the next generation what God has done for us because we want them to have the same faith and trust because guess what? They're gonna have all kinds of problems and difficulties and challenges and we wanna let them know that the answer to those is the Lord himself. Um, if you go to threecrosses.org and go to the seniors page, you will see there testimonies of our seniors. We have 24, maybe even 25 by now, posted, testimonies posted on there by seniors telling you about great blessings that God has given them, how they came to the Lord and things the Lord has done. And we want the younger generation to read those and be inspired and encouraged by those testimonies, not just 
for a, a fun story to read, but so that you will be armed with faith and trust that God takes care of us when we submit ourselves to him. Okay, now we're ready for our conclusion. I got plenty of time, good, okay. I want you to write these down. We got the five C's. Sarah, you ready for this? Here we go. Count your blessings instead of your complaints. Some of us are complainers, aren't we? Count your blessings. That'd be a great song to sing, wouldn't it? Count your blessings, okay. Secondly, cooperate with God rather than compete with him. Cooperate, do what God asks you to do. Obey him. Instead of competing with him and saying, your, your plan is better than his plan. They certainly didn't know all the details, did they? But they had to obey. And they went across that Jordan and God gave them dry land. Not mushy, marshy land, but dry land to walk through. Concentrate on keeping your focus off of your own desires and on the needs of others. Consistently obey him even when you don't fully understand. And those Israelites certainly didn't understand, did they? They were just doing it. They're just going through. They didn't know all the details. Those priests didn't know anything about dipping their, their toes into that water and the water would be peeled back. But they did it even when they fully didn't understand. And God blessed that obedience. And finally, call out to God with a voice of thanksgiving. See, after God has done all of these things, our responsibility is to say, Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you that you watch over me, see, over my family. You've taken care of all of us. Now it's time for a, a song. The worship team's coming out out now. I want you to listen to this song and I want it to stir up in our minds what it asks us to do, which is to count, to count our blessings. Then I'll be back. <laughs> 